0: I start, I'm just introducing myself. I'm Aishwarya and I run an online store called Aisha the store and we have Simran here with me who's a fashion merchandiser and uh, she's going to talk about design uh, from fiber to fabric, uh, how the retailers do it and I'll talk about it from a designer's point of view or how a design house uh, goes about designing and the process of fi- fibers and fabrics that are involved in designing <laughs> yeah
1: okay hi guys <laughs> so um uh i have worked as a fashion merchandiser for a brand and uh, while i was working with them there were a lot of um, like i was i got to know about how little people really know uh, are or are aware about the actual processes of making garments fabrics and fibers beyond just buying garments like they don't no one is very much aware about how garments become the way they are in the retail store in the retail stores where they go and buy them so i used to meet friends from different fields and we would get to talking and they would be very interested and shocked at the same time about the detail processes that go behind even like stitching even a single garment so that's why ishwarya and i decided to put this together and we will talk about the fabric side of things today because it's a whole another different world so just going into how fabrics are made into the final version they are which are ready to be used to stitch garments so initially i think all of us clearly know that fabrics are made from fibers. These fibers are grown, are either grown or synthetically made. Like we have natural fibers and then we have synthetic fibers. A common example would be cotton for a natural fiber, which is grown, formed. And a common example for a synthetic fiber would be something like polyester, which you see in your active wear and sportswear and a lot of party dresses, which originates from plastic, it's man-made. So um, talking about cotton, basically the fibers are of course grown in the farm fields and it is brought, it is collected by the farmers and sold in tons and sold in tons to the fabric mills, which we call the mills that produce uh, or spin these fibers into thread cones. These thread cones are called yarns. I'm not sure if a lot of people are aware about this term called yarn, but it is they are basically your normal household threads, but in a on much bigger on much bigger cones. So uh, this fiber uh, in its raw form is collected from the fields by the farmers, sold to the fabric spinning mills who then comb it through take out all the dirt in the material like soil and then they press it and then they do some chemical processing like they put starch in it so that it becomes stiff and then they spin it at a very high rotation when you spin it at a very high rotation it becomes that single thread which you see in your fabric and then they roll it onto a cone which becomes your yarn this yarn Like, they obviously spin, like, thousands of yarns in a single, like, in a single day. These mills run 24 into 7. They can never be stopped because it's a very expensive production. So, in a single day, they are, like, manufacturing thousands and thousands of cones. So, these cones are then brought to the weaving factory. Now, this weaving factory sometimes are different industries altogether, but sometimes big, fabric mills will have them in their own uh, like in their own grounds too but sometimes like one factory makes the yarn and then it will be um taken over to a different factory which will weave the fabric so or it can be together on the same grounds too if it's a big bigger production house so then the fabric then is woven where um there are two types of weaving like of course there are many different types of weaving but for like not for the sake of not making it boring. There are usually two types. <laughs> one is where, one is where, like you just weave the fabric. You put it onto the uh, weaving machine, and it inter Like it in one fabric comes from the vertical side, and one comes from the horizontal side, and it be- makes your weaving fabric like normal. The other kind of weaving is where designers like Eswara herself have made a check pattern or a vertical pattern where they want uh, a certain color in a horizontal way or in a vertical way. So that is called yarn yarn dyeing, right? So those yarns, yarn, yarns are originally white, so they will dye the yarns in a particular color, and then during weaving itself, they will, how to say, insert those colors in the ways designers want. So you have the yarn dyeing way, and then you have the normal weaving where the entire cloth is white, normal. So this is what happens and this is when the cloth gets made. But this cloth is not ready to be used because uh, we added starch in it and we added a lot of different chemicals to make it stiff so that the yarn doesn't break during weaving. So we go through, which is probably the most polluting process of this entire fabric making, which is called fabric finishing. Now, fabric finishing is possibly like 60 to 70 percent of the reason why textile industry is considered the, one of the most polluting industries in the world uh, there's a lot of treatment that is done to the fabric because uh, they want the fabric to be durable so that when you when it is being stitched or when you're buying it finally the fabric does not bleed color it does not break easily it has the how to say some uh, it has the um, qualities which you probably want in your clothes, like it should be wrinkle-free or it should not smell, it should be odor-free or it should be antibacterial. or like So all these things are added onto the fabric during the fabric finishing process. Um, if I delve into it, it'll get too technical and too because there's so many chemical processes involved. But um, if you are, as a customer, when you are going and buying a product, you can always um, track that product Uh, there are many organizations which make it easier for you to know if that uh, garment was uh, garments fabric was sustainably sourced or not the entire process of fiber getting made into a garment there are two uh, most polluting factors the one is where you source your fiber from like fiber production and the second like i said the fabric finishing part so if uh, if you're be- trying to be a sustainable customer you can always focus on where this fabric was sourced from and sec and the uh, second thing where you can always track the fibers where the fibers were taken for for this particular garment or this particular brand, where they source their fibers from, it's all available mostly on the public portal. Um, of course, smaller brands are more easier to uh, are more difficult to track for. So, larger retailers do keep an account of things, but then in our experience, a, lo- a lot of large retailers cover up a lot of things too. So, but these are things if you keep in mind and if you look them up they are not that difficult to find yeah
0: uh sure you have anything to say like <laughs> if- right yeah i mean so th- ideally this is how like you know uh, fabrics are made like spun and you know she told you guys about the process of how it's actually made so um where do design houses source their fabric from there are three different ways a designer uh, gets their fabrics or uh, you know, it could be an individual designer or a design house as well which is uh, like a bigger version and not individually run by one single person as the head you can have multiple designers put together working for a design house as well so ideally you have uh, three different places that you can get your fabrics from one is your manufacturers then you have your wholesalers then you have like your agents or retail stores so when i say manufacturers this means uh, Uh, For example, they would source one single type of fabric and they would buy, say, 10,000 meters of it or like 1,000 meters of it and in bulk. So because they're buying in bulk, it would probably be color uh, restricted. Like for example, they would buy uh, 1,000 meters of silk of the same color, ideally white because it's easier to dye in so this is when your company is really big like it's a big design house and that fabric will be used within the company itself to produce a lot of different uh, varieties of clothing so this is the first part that is the manufacturers where you directly buy them from then you have your wholesalers so basically these wholesalers will buy from the manufacturers and the designer will buy from the wholesalers so so um for example there are two different designers uh, who are, who have completely different businesses they can go to the wholesaler and buy the same fabric and the wholesaler would give the same fabric that he sourced from manufacturer to these designers so uh, ideally for designers instead of buying 1000 Uh, meters as a minimum order value they can probably just buy 100 meters of that fabric so depending on the 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 scale of what your label is like the you know the I mean how much you make as a designer like depending on that you can source your fabrics then you have like your agents and like your stores Uh, so this is where these agents in stores buy from wholesalers and then they have like separate fabrics so they'll have a variety of fabrics uh, from different manufacturers or different wholesalers So ideally a manufacturer would be uh, if it's a silk manufacturer that silk manufacturer will only produce silk and the wholesaler will have silk will have cotton will have a lot of different varieties again but in bulk but the agent will have very specific fabrics and he wouldn't buy like 100 meters of the same fabric so even if he does that 100 meters will be going to different customers right so he doesn't make a loss as well so uh, when you buy from agents and stores, a designer ends up buying like 10 meters or 12 meters of fabric from, you know, these places. So depending on the size of the firm, of the design house, you have these three different ways of, you know, sourcing your fabrics. Okay. And uh, the, so very few designers actually make their own fabric like which is like they either custom order their own specific fabric like you said right like uh, yeah. weaving weaving is one and then yeah. uh, so only very few people do it most of them actually just work with like ready made fabrics that are already available and then they add okay. like their own style to it in terms of uh, embroideries or like artwork printing, dyeing and you know the post processing of the fabric is what uh, designers do to ideally make these designer pieces so okay yeah. yeah so and then um like when you say how like you know designers work with these fabrics after buying uh the fabrics so there are two ways okay when you buy fabrics in bulk you can either like dye these fabrics and you know multiple use it in multiple different outfits and in different ways Uh, so the thing is you already buy these fabrics and then you bring it to your design house and then you start processing that's one way of going about like uh, buying fabrics and the other one is you buy sample fabrics so first you buy like Small meters of all the fabrics. Like, for example, if you use like a bl- black sequined uh, fabric, you really can't like process it further, right? I mean, yeah. you can, yeah. but not to a large extent if like buying a single colored fabric. So, a single colored fabric can be dyed. So, you can either buy it in bulk or when you sample by these uh, fabrics, what you do is you uh, create like one piece or two pieces of. Um, you know designs and if you think it works for your uh, brand and brand language that's when you order for more fabric so you make like limited number of pieces so everything that designers uh, yeah. do most of it is in limited quantities only because they're not mass detailers like what you were just saying how they work so they get, they, they get the other half of uh, the end I mean like they get things after it's been produced or weaved
1: yes yes like in terms of retailers it's mostly the same process we are also a retailer like a brand of course there are very few brands in the world who make who have their own in-house factories where they make their own fabric and their own garments but mostly it's uh uh, it's like a a buying situation like the like how a normal customer becomes a buyer for a brand the brand becomes a buyer for the fabric so what they do is they give the uh, if let's say there's um uh, a brand wants to make uh, cotton t-shirts they will give the order to the fabric mill and they will tell them because obviously brands are uh, operate on a larger scale their order quantities are more they buy the woven fabric which is yet to be treated. They place an order for that blank white colored um, gray fabric. It's the term, the industrial term for it is gray fabric. It's called, Um, it is right now not dyed, not treated. It is in no way um, in a condition to be used for garments. So, um, based on what color T-shirts you're uh, aiming to produce, what pattern or what design the designer has made for the brand, or what um, silhouette they want, based on that, the fabric will be treated, or and the fabric finishing will be done. So, basically, we buy the fabric which has been freshly woven, and then fabric and then its fabric finishing is done as per the brand's. Uh, uh, how to say as per the brand's requirements the fabric mill does it and then the fabric mill sells it to the garment factory it because in case of like hot couture or designers they stitch their own clothes because that is their industry in terms of retailers they don't have their in-house um, garment factories either so what happens is the fabric mill then further on sells it to the garment factory where like two thousand three thousand people are employed and they will be mass manufacturing this fabric will be cut and patterns will be drawn and then it will be stitched by like so many people and then the fa- uh, garment factory in turn will sell it back sell it to the the finished garment they will sell it to the uh the brand of course and then the brands make sure they come into their stores and then they sell it off to the customers
0: right
1: like, so uh, so that is how like fiber to fabric the process <laughs> and then in terms of as a finished garment how it goes on of course we've not focused on the garment part here just the fabric textile right this is
0: now. only like one percent of the actual production like we're keeping it to a very surface level <laughs> so a lot of people yeah. actually understand the way uh, the industry works or like the basics of the industry uh, as such. Um, so, yeah. another thing, like, okay, so designers, when we say designer wear, uh, because if you see designer wear is actually very expensive, right? Like, or say traditional yes. Indian designer wear is very expensive because they use expensive fabrics. Um, very common fabrics that they use are silk, malmal, you have cotton, they use muslin, or ganza, or gandhi um most of these fabrics are clubbed together to create different outfits so in in like one particular outfit you will see uh like you know silk and then you'll see a net you'll see like velvet you'll see uh like just plain cottons. you'll see uh, muslin you'll just see a lot of different fabrics that are clubbed together to create a design or piece um And a very interesting thing about Indian designers is a lot of people use silk. Silk is majorly used in uh, designer wear as far as at least like till what I've seen. Um, Most of the silk is produced and outsourced and silk is um, uh, majorly like outsourced from China and there are different kinds of silk that are used in production. India is also like a largest producer of silk and what we use uh, in these designer wear are like different kinds of silk so we have uh, mulberry we have eri we have moga silk we have tusser also Tusser has like two different type, types of tassar silks and then we have dupion and uh, so these are the kind of silks that each designer would use depending on the designer and the the scale that the designer is at when i say scale i mean in terms of um, like you know how much they charge for their clothing if it's a very expensive um, designer then he would probably be using an expensive silk and an entry-level designer would also use silk but it might not be that expensive so, um, I'll just quickly tell you guys about like the kind of silk that we use uh, in the industry because that's a fabric that's majorly used. So, mulberry is a very popular variety that's used in the in the fashion industry. We, in India, we also have a silk development uh, board for the development of silk industries called central silk board which is governed by the ministry of textiles and it's headquartered in bangalore if you guys happen to go to uh, bangalore there's a place called the silk board it's named after the the central silk board uh, with Simran and i we must have definitely seen it because there's a silk boat oh, there. it's quite famous for <laughs> its traffic <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Mulberry is produced in Karnataka, West Bengal. You have Jammu and Kashmir, Tamil Nadu, Andhra Pradesh, and uh, and also like other places are also picking up uh, produ- production of silk. Uh, you know, silk farming is actually known as sericulture. It's very labor intensive, and millions of rural people uh, or like people from these semi-urban areas work in this industry and also like a lot of women are employed in this industry and um a lot of people like who are against silk they opt for you know like viscose or something else like rayon silks but they don't i mean it's easy to say you know don't use silk but if you see on a bigger scale a lot of people are employed in this sector right like so if you stop using it it means they also lose their employment opportunities and this is very labor intensive and a lot of people are employed in this sector anyway uh, <laughs> then you have your uh, wild silks which is like T- tassar eri and muga and these are produced in Jharkhand, Chhattisgarh, madhya pradesh west bengal orissa uh, Whereas manipur Nagaland and they so wild silks are called wild silks because they come from uh cocoons in forest and these are rougher and tougher compared to like your mulberry silk and the the threads you have here are very like shorter so when you use a fabric like um a a wild silk fabric it has like it has slubs in the fabric i mean i actually like slubs in fabric it makes the fabric look more beautiful i feel oh it gives it a rustic feel and
1: like old
0: school yeah (laughs) like yeah it does look very vintage and it's very popularly used because mulberry is more expensive and a lot of like designers probably would like like a wild silk instead of like mulberry silk and then you have your dupion silk so it's basically a mix of two different kinds of silk worms that you know result in like like a double strong threaded silk and it's very lustrous a lot of like designers use it like say for like lehengas for blouses and like a lot of different um indian wear this dupion is majorly used and uh Simran, did, did you know there's another interesting uh, silk called the lotus silk, which is, is very, okay. yes, it's very beautiful. So they make it in Vietnam, and, but it was originally wow. originated in like Burma, and it's it's again it's very labor intensive. So basically they pick these lotus, uh, they, like they handpick the lotus flowers and then the okay. stem is broken. So when you break the stem, you have these filaments, right? And these individual yeah. filaments are like put together to create fibers. Oh my god! And then it's oh like weaved, wow. and then the color also is like a very like ivory beige kind of a color. It's very beautiful and then so this is i mean i don't want to go on about silk because there's a lot of things that i could like uh, go on and on about silk but the whole idea is that these are the kind of fabrics that designers use and majorly silk and because silk is so expensive um it is a very like expensive um fabric to you know like again be further worked yes. on because you really can't like damage a silk so whatever you do to the silk like the post-processing needs to be yes. it needs to be very like
1: done. yeah
0: yes then you have uh your cotton again cotton is sourced in china india brazil and there are many many types of like uh cotton so yeah like this is these are the kind of fabrics uh, that designers in india use what about the retail industry what are the majorly uh, used or sourced fabrics for them yeah
1: so like you uh, described about silk silk is not majorly used in retail industry because of course uh, the point of the matter being it is very difficult to process in large quantities Um, like you also mentioned there are fibers which are small and there are fibers which have like which are like uh, long filament based so like it's difficult to process uh, like those filament based fibers and the spinning is like difficult because they break easily so silk needs to be taken care of very carefully and it's processing makes it a expensive like uh, on a h- higher side so a lot of fast fashion people tend to go for like 80 20 or 70 30 silk blends with cotton or different kinds of like rayon like rayon silk or uh, cotton silk instead of a hundred percent silk because its retail price will end up being too high for like normal customers and of course, stitching stitching of the silk fabric is also requires a lot of precision too, and takes longer time than stitching of let's say a cotton or a polyester fabric. Um, because of its, the materials uh, nature itself. Um, so most commonly used fabrics in our industry, like in the mass manufacturing, retailers, or fast fashion, which I have observed, is cotton and polyester. So cotton, uh, polyester being on the higher side, I'd say more than 50% of it is like polyester blends of some sort or polyester itself, 100% polyester, and, the, and then you have Like other synthetic fibers like nylon and um, uh, this viscous rayon but then uh, uh, like uh, in the natural fibers range most commonly used is definitely cotton and uh, because these fabrics are very easy to process and handle they are not that difficult to add obviously their production is much um, uh, like I am not one uh, who is a fan of the polyester fabric but its production is definitely more convenient than a lot of uh, like let's say linen or
0: silk or I'm a lot also of other huge fan of the 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 artificial fabrics at all. A lot of people like when you use synthetic fabrics. A lot of people don't understand that. It's even when you wash it, right? Like that, you have your yes. nano plastic that's being released into the water, yes. and this is something yeah. that you can't treat because you can't even see it, and then because it's so minute even when you filter the water right like it will still get away from the yeah there are these
1: microfibers yeah there are these microfibers that uh, are being shed by the fabrics because they're essentially especially like in terms of polyester polyester right, is yeah. just uh, plastic so it is shedding these microfibers so like any plastic it is, it is uh, slightly carcinogenic in nature though even though the fabric, polyester fabric is very very properly treated uh, but still uh, over the years it does sh- tend to shed microfibers which are not good for your health in general
0: not only really like our health but imagine like the under like water world right like, yes yeah polyester
1: fibers uh, like coming back to fibers itself like as the raw material of all fashion industry um, polyester fibers themselves they are made when like acid and alcohol um, they are made to react and then they form this molecular higher molecular bond which is like thicker in nature and then they just bond together and a uh, uh, fiber comes out of it so this um, alcohol of course are fossil fuels and this fiber itself is very difficult to break down and recycle and extremely difficult to die again as um i think we all uh, a human being is a visual creature we see things we perceive things so especially in the fashion industry only what you see is like what do you like you buy that when you uh, on seeing it and color is a very important factor in it color shading dyeing and printing is a huge deal in the textile industry and in the garment industry too so if a fiber can't be dyed properly it is mostly discarded uh, so when i say that polyester is, is not easy to recycle i mean that it can't be dyed again and even if you do dye it there's a lot of color shading issues so it is very difficult to make it into how to say a different kind of a garment so and of course like
0: even when you wash it and all of that like if it goes to the plants you know how it works like again the fruits are bad then you know like the marine organisms are also affected by this so eventually it's all really like hurting the environment so a sustainable alternative would be to buy fabrics that are easily uh, decomposable again or that can be reused and the thing with polyester is don't you think it's very flimsy? like you can wear it a few times but then it, it tears on its own like it doesn't have like a life what it doesn't have a very sustained it doesn't have a long life and also because it's all like cheaply produced i feel like a polyester outfit would probably be less expensive compared to a silk or like a really good quality yes. cotton.
1: Yes, yes. That is the main reason why people opt for polyester. As uh, I mean, aside from the fact that it is, um, uh, how to say, it, since it's synthetic in nature, so it provides a friction-free environment for sports people. So, like, they tend to like most of the sportswear, not most, like a lot of sportswear in this world is made out of polyester, and nylon, synthetic fibers. Because cotton, wool, silk, and all the natural uh, fibers, linen, are very like how to say they absorb a lot of water, so they are they become heavier when you're sweating uh, but synthetic fibers they they wick the sweat away from your body so they become lighter they don't bring your body down so it's easier to run or be athletic in them and of course because they are water like they don't allow absorption of water they also are resistant to water so if you put a drop on like let's say a polyester material and a drop on the cotton material the polyester one will dry faster it will take the water away faster than cotton um so uh, it makes it a really how to say it advantageous kind of a fabric for sportswear right mm-hmm. so apart from that industry um we obviously have to look into it how to how more and more um, sportswear industry can transition into uh, the how to say natural based fabrics to use it there's a lot of research going on that but as but in the fashion industry, gen- generally as a conscious customer, we can all make a choice to not buy a material which is polyester just because it's priced at a lower price compared yeah, to like a natural fabric. Because With the shirts, yes, like a or- Yeah,
0: it's because
1: yeah, and it also polyester also has this problem that it smells bad because Mm. it wicks your sweat away some amount of sweat like it like starts smelling uh, after a while like it can it takes up your body odor and just Smells bad. Um, this is something uh, I think all of us can go back and maybe if you have something polyester in your wardrobe, wear it for a day and then like you will realize what I'm talking about. So I think it's uh, so and it's not good for skin either because it's not a breathable fabric. It um, like cotton is a breathable fabric. When you wear something like polyester, you feel like you're trapped inside, it's, it doesn't let your skin breathe. So it's like linen, cotton, silk are kind of fabrics if you wear them. Especially during summertime, you will feel much more, how to say, light and cool so i think as a conscious customer we can always try to opt for a natural fabric um if uh, i think i'm not sure if everybody knows you can always look at the brand label and the, the a composition is always mentioned there so while buying all of us can like just check the composition of the garment we're buying and then make a conscious choice right to get I this thing like a lot of uh, people like you know
0: in general don't know a lot about fabrics and they just buy what what looks good right because not, this yes. kind of information is not um, told to them on a regular basis like they obviously it's one google search away but it's not something you would think of doing because you would actively look for yeah yeah. like you go to a store any like retail store and you have your buy one get one free buy two get four free offers and most of these clothes are not caught in me because if like you know then again yes. like you see the price of it if it's if it's only like 150 or 200 and most of it is like 98 percent polyester and two percent cotton i mean more than like you, you're paying money to like i don't know ruin the environment to be honest yes yes it's yes really, that is very true. it's really bad and like you know studies show that like if you if you have access to a lot of like uh, plastic you know uh, around you or like if you consume plastic it can also be cancerous or like it's just generally very like tough for like other like living organisms as well it, it really like uh, degrades the quality of the environment itself. So yeah. instead of buying like ten different polyester items for ten thousand rupees, you can buy one single like really good outfit for ten thousand rupees. I mean, ten thousand is yeah. a huge amount again, um, for an average customer. But in general, like instead of buying five things, you can buy one nice thing that can be lasted for a very long long time and another thing is when you buy these things right like when you wear it for more than four or five times it, it automatically like uh, loses its value like either the color fades away or the fabric is torn in places you don't want them to be torn And then what do you do you just discard these like items and then it it leads to another problem again right like when you dump so many fabrics it's where where will you can only donate a few clothes but if it's not in a good shape a lot of people dump a lot of clothes and uh, it's not like all of us only have like five items of clothing i'm pretty sure we have like 40 50 and yeah i mean like we're people in billions right like imagine how much waste we must generate
1: Yeah, yes definitely there's a lot of waste generation and um, especially in terms of clothes and maybe that's why fashion is regarded as one of the most polluting uh, industries in the world with one of the largest carbon footprint obviously when we talk about these fabrics it doesn't mean that our natural based fabrics are any less polluting like um, uh, I think in terms of manufacturing process cotton is maybe like even higher polluting than uh, polyester is though polyester has yeah. long lasting impact on the environment but yeah. cotton does not have like that long lasting impact but it's manufacturing itself is much more polluting um, than polyesters like the way it is grown it tends to degrade the soil where it is grown and then for growing 1 kg of cotton 1000 to 2000 liters of water is required just for like 1 kg of bale and,
0: yeah, um, and the of course the, pesticides in and- toxic chemicals that exactly, you know yeah. that are used to produce cotton is also really bad is really bad and it leaves your
1: soil um how to say degraded degrades uh for its nutrient content and you have to be you have to then in turn use even more pesticides and fertilizers to uh, regain its uh, this thing nutrient content in the soil and of course the water usage is like water pollution is insane because um the water that comes out of these uh, out of the fabric finishing processes which are used to process uh cotton in general if we are talking about this this water needs to be processed to a point that it is hundred percent reusable again before it leaves the fabric mills. But a lot of fabric mills, like bigger ones, definitely do it because it's required. By most of the countries, have very strict environment laws now. Your factory cannot be approved unless, of course, your water is tested and it is the waste water which is coming out of your factory it is tested. And if it's not ninety nine point nine percent good enough to be reused again, your factory doesn't pass those ordinances. But of course. Because they're very small scale industries which may not be following it. And of course, there is, a, like, in the system of government, there might be some sort of uh, how to say. Money dealings going on where some factories are approved by officials for mutual benefit for their own mutual personal benefits. So uh, the wastewater that is coming out of these mills when you're processing these fabrics, is really is another huge uh, polluting factor, uh, especially for in terms of cotton. When we are talking about takes, like I said, fabric finishing is one of the most polluting processes in terms of making a fabric. Um, but as far as a customer goes, or like just to make it and layman term, like we can always uh, there are always uh, people and organizations who are trying to make sure that um, fibers are being sourced sustainably and the farming that is done, especially cotton farming there is an organization called BCI, Better Cotton Initiative they make sure um, that the cotton that is being uh, farmed is being farmed through sustainable processes, the farmers themselves are getting the support they need the money they need so that they don't have to resort to cheap pesticides and fertilizers that they are being taught how you can maintain the soil's fertility at the same time without exploiting it. And um, so they make sure that the, so the cotton from these fields, these farming fields that is procured is um, how to say tracked by this organization BCI. And then they make sure that this cotton uh, is uh, is sent to the proper mills that have been improved, uh, that has been... Um, approved by the environmental uh, governments of their respective mm-hmm. countries and then and then processed in a sustainable way where waste water management is done where air pollution like the smoke and all that is being uh, generated is as minimal as possible and the chemicals that are being used are the chemicals which have been approved by the government because there are a lot of chemicals that are banned. Uh,
0: like acetates and all, so right. they. So, so even in cotton, you you do have another like alternative, which is the organic cotton. The only difference between organic and regular cotton is that in your regular cotton, like Simran just said, you know, you use a lot of like insecticides, pesticides, which are very very chemical for the land and the soil. But uh, because. C- cotton is the dirtiest crop on earth like you know if producing it without uh, these in- insecticides and pesticides like it's very tough so when you do that that's when you have your organic uh, cotton and if you actually do that like it's not that bad for the land but you can't mass produce it you know you can only produce like a limited quantity of good cotton that you can like use for uh, Making clothing and other items after that, so yeah, cotton is a cotton is a very good like yeah. fabric to use. So, but then again, you need to know what your cotton has. A lot of people have That's cotton cool. items, but they mix it with polyester again. So it's either it's, like 50% yeah. cotton, 50% yeah. like polyester.
1: Yeah, so like whenever you're um, uh, buying uh, from any brand, you can always uh, check uh, if the cotton they sold, sourced was BCI cotton or not. And of course, you can always check whether it's organic cotton because a lot of retailers now rebranded over their logos that uh, we use only BCI cotton or we use only organic cotton. So it is just a Google search away. If you want to look up some brands, some of your favorite brands which you regularly shop at, the cotton they are, getting from our like we can always track where they're getting their cotton from lately a lot of brands have taken the initiative to become 100 percent bci uh, organic cotton is a little difficult because it is not genetically modified so a lot of maybe big brands don't tend to use organic cotton as much because it's a little difficult to we handle we and
0: use, uh, <laughs> like yeah like you know like the clothing brand that i have i whatever i use is organic cotton so another interesting thing that uh, I found is for example like you know you say, say BCI or any other like uh, you have this other thing as well right like um, yes i can't recall quickly can you recall what it's called when uh, the fi- the fiber for like uh, um what is the place called the
1: fiber is The fiber
0: is? Uh, They give you like a certification for something? Uh, Ecotex. Is that what it's called?
1: Uh. There's Ecotex and there's Oikotex also certificate. But Oikotex is like more about how to say if your factory is working well. And Ecotex is given like when your fiber, you have proper sourcing habits. Like you're sourcing from sustainable places.
0: Right. Okay. No, I mean, um, I think it's called, uh, goths, sir, I'm not sure, like, it's, yeah, I think it's called, uh, global, God. yeah, yeah
1: okay okay yeah i think so yeah yeah i remember something like that god certificate yeah 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 i mean it's a processing standard yes i remember yeah again again this is
0: for you know environmentally and socially responsible manufacturing way uh if like if if you use organic processing you can actually get a certification so so the thing is like for BCI or even for gods like your company will have to register uh, like show them proof of how you're actually yep. producing procuring yep. your yep. items then you can get yep. it yep. that's something we yep. still haven't done but I plan to ideally uh, do it because you for your brand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's nicer so, to be certified. This right? is
1: really nice. Like once you registered on it, you can always track that exactly which farm was a cotton farm that and which supplier uh, bought it from there and sold it to the mill. It's very. It's a very good initiative.
0: Yeah. To
1: have and, and that is why because unless you have these certifications or this registration account, uh, unless you're the account holders, uh, you can't branded over your how to say your store and all that we are bci certified or we are yeah you need got to have a certification
0: are, to be certified yeah, by the to be able
1: dogs. to sell it yeah. yes then bci also like um in terms like, since we're in terms of fiber farming, there's a lot of how to say, like these things are very easier to do uh, for designer brands or maybe for how to say large scale brands. But these are a little because there's you have to pay some fees. Um, okay uh, okay i just got a notification sorry i trailed off there so um these things are easier to do for large brands maybe large designer brands because there's certain fees you need to pay to become a member of these things but at the same time it's not uh how to say it's not impossible but it is a little less convenient for small scale brands let's say who don't operate at the same level as the retail brands. So these small scale brands especially tend to go for cheaper uh, options, which are definitely available. There's always a cheaper option available, but the cheaper option comes, of course, unsustainable methods of processing, unsustainable methods of growing, and of course, uh, illegal methods of growing. So like just to inform people who are like listening to this, um, there are like by (laughs) the United (laughs) States. (laughs) but if they ever anybody ever listens (laughs) because I heard I I got to know that you're recording this for YouTube
0: (laughs) yeah this is our first episode guys so there's more to come so yeah we look forward to having more shows I mean like more episodes like these
1: Yeah, so like just to let people know, there are many, especially in terms of cotton farming, um, there are many uh, countries which grow it illegally, like they have, uh, how to say, modern uh, labor, uh, which uh, modern slavery, which they forcefully put people into and and they have, uh, how to say, they employ underage kids to farm. So, there are countries like Uzbekistan and North Korea and uh, Turkmenistan, which have like embargoes against them, UN embargoes. Embargo is imposed when the trade in that country is banned. So, members of the United Nations, whoever are the members of the United Nations can either still go and export. Um, um, materials from them um, like because United Nations doesn't really have a direct power over the countries but they, but if the United Nations are imposing an embargo that definitely means that they conducted an investigation and they found out that illegal methods were being used to grow these certain textiles and certain fibers so like uh, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan and North Korea already have embargoes on them but still some countries uh, because they have embargoes that makes their material really cheap to buy like the fiber they produce is really cheap to be bought because they don't have a lot of people to sell to so they can obviously sell it at a much lower price than what is the uh, uh, current how to say cost of of cotton in the world and uh, they are exported to China basically there's a lot of um, how to say um issues with china taking in these fibers buying these fibers because China's a how to say there's a whole a lot of fabric a lot of garment factories and fabric mills they're like a lot we all know china is the manufacturing hub of the world so Uh, So, like, to know where your fiber and raw material is coming in from, whether, because once the fabric is in your hand as a small-scale brand, it is very hard to track this fabric itself was made from which fiber. You may not even you may not be aware of it that you are indirectly encouraging forced labor, slavery or underage uh, employment you may not even be aware of that and that is when initiatives like BCI uh, come into picture like if you had registered for it BCI could have tracked that for you or otherwise of course you are doing it knowingly so so these things are really important like uh, as a customer I think the world should be more aware of this uh, uh, as like people that they are certain countries where they are employing unwaged kids for farming, and those are the countries where you should be sure that your cotton or your garment is not coming from
0: there. So, yeah, like, so there's a, yeah, like, like most like sort of the brands, said, yeah, like you said, most of these brands resort to these options because if they don't really do the things that they're doing, they can't really mass manufacture. The, the number yes. of like quantities that it's actually being produced in right if you do it all organically can a profit. Yeah, yeah if you do it all organically and in like a smaller scale you won't be able to produce so many number of like nitos of fabrics or you won't even have like that many treatments to do and then again like an average consumer Basically has around like 50 to 60 minimum like outfits in their wardrobe And if you actually say like you start producing these items in a very sustainable way You won't even have that many options in a store, right like to purchase like you will definitely have more than 50 But you won't have as many styles because you you again like the first basic thing is fabric So if it's definitely like if the quantity of the fabric is reduced then uh, the the later stages of production itself becomes very limited. Yes,
1: so this is like this this sort of consumerism and expansion of number of styles and just like how to say a uh, push system of selling clothes to the customers, uh, providing so many styles and so many choices is being like criticized by a lot of organizations around the world that especially fast fashion that you should not be focusing on um, like you should not be pushing people into buying so many different types of clothing. Instead, you should have a pull system where if the consumer wants Something you should produce only that much. That's you shouldn't, how
0: the, use, how you how shouldn't produce.
1: You shouldn't produce. Yeah. Brand works. And of course, yeah. And of course, hey, as brands, you should always be careful about where your fabric is coming from. Like, like we already discussed, fabric. Uh, production of fabric is probably like 80% of the whole process. Like garment manufacturing is not as polluting or as, how to say, unsustainable as compared to uh, fiber sourcing and fabric production itself. So it's really important that as a brand, especially you are from day one very conscious that you are not sourcing it from countries which employ, like like we already discussed, which have embargoes against it. You are sourcing from countries which have legal and environmentally
0: approved systems in place yeah so uh, now I'm just going to quickly talk about what happens when we have fabrics in hand like you discussed um, other things you know about how fabric is produced and uh, production and retail I'm just going to quickly talk about um, what designers do when they have fabric in hand Um, like I already said uh, three different categories from how you can source your fabric and get it So, um, like I said right like again after you like procure the fabric you have two different uh, types of fabric one is your ready-made fabric and one is the fabric that's waiting to be uh, processed so your ready-made fabric could be like say sequins or already pre-processed fabrics or pre-processed prints that you will probably rework on and create outfits then you have your ready-made fabrics that needs to be dyed for example if uh, your uh, your design house is in a big scale uh, like i said right uh, type one would be your manufacturer say you buy thousand meters of a particular fabric, say dupion, uh, you have white dupion in hand and then you dye it in further, like different colors. So, the first step would be to have, like, to create, like, a small color dyeing palette to see, you know, how your fabric is reacting to these dyes and the kind of colors that you can use for the season. So, that's your round one. When you have uh, when you have these fabrics dyes again you know dyeing yeah. has two different processes so each designer yeah. has their own uh, way of dyeing the fabrics as well um, so yeah. mainly they use two different types of dyeing one would be like your chemical dyes and one again is like uh, non chemical dyes which would be like yeah. this, uh, bio biodegradable dyes and then you also have uh, you know, plant-based dyes that you use. Plant-based, yeah, yeah. You, I. It's it's plant-based dyes are are better for people who are actually you like dyeing the fabric because it doesn't affect them as much. When you chemically dye your fabrics, uh, the immediate dyes who are in contact with these chemicals, it's actually very harmful for them. So if you see yes. like an average. Uh, dyer's age would only be around like 50 to 60 because the the chemical fumes are are very toxic uh, for the human body. Yeah. Not even just the human body. Like a lot of designers, when you use these chemical dyes, right? It's not treated well. So they just like you know put it out in the tanks or uh, the areas around uh, it. So it's it's very harmful because these chemicals are not treated right. So each designer yeah. should definitely have an understanding of. Uh, how their dyes would be treated later and then again in chemical dyes also you have two different types of dyeing, which is your hot water dyes and cold water dyes so a lot of designers use hot water dyes because Uh, when you use hot water dyes that's when you have you get like your really bright colors like your parrot green or like you know the the, uh, like a very bridal red so hot water dyes are what a lot of designers use which again is really bad for the environment but obviously not to a retailer uh, level of extent but this is also equally bad for the environment and yeah once you have like your basic dice watches ready next you have is where the designers come in hand and uh, like you know your your assistant designers or like your design team and then they have a, a whole process of having like a base design or like an ideology that they would like to follow for that particular season so like how retailers have like shelf life say two three weeks or some d- brands have like months most of the designers work in seasons, so they have fall winter and spring summer and a lot of different people have like four different seasons but in india you only have like maybe two and if you're a or like a big scale designer you'd probably do it for four different uh seasons so depending on what the uh the client needs or like they have a trend study that they do to just assess uh, the kind of uh, purchases, purchases that their customers are making. So depending on that, they, they have a mood board, a uh, trend board, and then you have like a client board as well. Like you obviously know who your client category will be, but then again, like you have different uh, things that the client would want. So they start from something that's easily... Buyable and something that's really expensive. Like, I can give you an example of Gucci, for example, right? Like, they'd probably produce their belt a lot because that's something that's uh, accessible to a lot of people. A lot of people can buy the belt easily compared yep. to uh, uh, an, an outfit as such. So, yes. yeah, so designers in India do that as well like they probably sell accessories Uh, I don't know how many people sell perfumes but perfumes is the best way to like mass produce uh, a designer wear so it just makes everybody feel included to be a part of the brand but uh, in India they probably like say um, uh, bags, shoes, belts I mean that's something that you can easily buy and even portlies it's it's very cheap and <laughs> that's something that anyone anyone can have a designer portly so yeah these are the kind of like uh, client target budgets that they do and again uh, for example if they're doing lehengas they do like they have three different categories or four different categories of lehengas as well so you know um, so you have your your bride who's you know aspiring to buy a lehenga so they probably make like a two to three lakh rupee lehenga so that person can easily buy then you have designs for uh, something around 5 to 10 lakhs then you have 10 to 18 lakhs and then it also goes up to like 24 and custom made and then the difference between uh, these lehengas i mean i'm just saying it could be you know in terms of like embroidery or the way this embroidery is made so if it's if it's manually made it's more expensive then you have like you said right uh, for retailers they use machine embroideries and a lot of like uh, like you know how you spoke about mills that are continuously yes. going this happens yes. for embroidery as well so they have machines that will do only one style of embroidery so if you're buying something for two to four lakhs you wouldn't get like a fully hand embroidered piece it would probably just be something that's machine made and then like hand worked on. So once you fix these like client targets you have you have your uh, color mood board again and then you go back to you know like mixing and matching the colors that you had initially dyed so you see how close the fabric can be and each time a person places an order it's again made just for them
1: okay that is a how to say that is like um, at least like you are able to control uh, because it's tailor-made for a customer it is how to say you can uh, have uh, um, how to say control over the color shade issues like uh, you may not face as many color shade issues because the customer is like these these products don't exist in a lot of quantities so he he or she doesn't have something very close by to compare it to no they right. actually
0: do it's it's really tough to like you know yeah. match the shade yeah the, this is where these chemical dyes are very harmful for the dyers right because you have a color spot, they, do, they have to re-dye it again, yeah, and, re-dye again. It again and again and That's it's good. because it's made like one off pieces right you can actually see the color difference So you need to note down uh, the composition of different colors put together as well. Like, for example, if it's a red, like, you know, you have like different two, two to three different types of like oranges that need to be put together with. Yes. Yes.
1: I spent a huge amount of time in fabric mills, and this is one of the most difficult things we have to go mm-hmm. through uh, because we die in like huge batches. Like, in one time, in a single batch, 6,000 meters is dyed. You can't die Isn't in the that rest much that
0: easier outside. than dyeing like one off pieces. Oh, but you it have is, to reject uh,
1: Yeah, the whole that is lot. why that is that is why they diet in 6000 meters because if they diet any less than that it will incur a loss for the mill because those machines are really expensive to operate and right. like i said they operate 24 into 7 they never stop it only on like specific national holidays maybe two or three times a day uh, three times a year the mill stops working otherwise it is continuously working because you stop it even for a second or a malfunction happens it's going to incur a huge loss for the mill so they dye like 6000 meters in a like uh, in one go and yes these processes are scientific in nature and they're very precise to the amount of materials you're using but still at the end of the day after you're finishing a product because even after dyeing there's so many finishes that happen so that the uh, the dye molecules stick to the fabric molecules so that right. no color bleeding mm-hmm. can happen and color fastness property should be good it should pass all the chemical test parameters right yeah because so a
0: retail that- outfit can be washed many times but when you have have a designer outfit you really can't like wash it at home it needs to be like air dry yes. or like dry cleaned or like different processes to just like you know keep your designer outfit intact and and then like I I'm just going to continue on like the other bits of like design yeah. finishing the outfit then once you have like your colour swatches and all of that ready you quickly need to make like your designs and in india most of it is like heavily embroidered right and then you have this thing called chapa so basically it just means tracing in hindi and it's 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 a powder like a chalk powder that's mixed with kerosene and you have people who work in that particular like department so they're all just there to like they're really good at what they do so you have uh, you have your chapa then you have your machine embroidery and there are two okay. different kinds of machine embroidery so one is where a person sits on the machine and does the embroidery and the other one i said right like a mass manufacturing unit you actually have these large machines that produce the same yeah, design so automatic, units, ones. automatic yeah. ones and uh, yeah. yeah then again after this you have like your hand embroidery this is where like your re and different kinds of like work uh, girls come in place where they finish the outfit like with the designs. then you have your uh, stitching like just putting the pieces together that that's also another like process so different designers use different processes for stitching you have your different seams and then uh, then again finishing you have uh, your finishing ladies and like finishing men who are like particularly just employed to finish the outfit I mean so yeah like compared to uh, a retailer I think a designer would probably waste less um, fabrics or I mean if something goes bad right they can actually resell it but uh, as far as like a retailer is considered if I'm I'm sure if there's like a minor mistake the whole lot is rejected right
1: that is what like i was coming to like um because after dying there's so many processes so the chance of the color changing is uh, high the probability of color changing is high so by the time you finished, fabric comes and because it's dye, di- because already your manufacturing continues for a specific item, the manufacturing will continue for like at least two months. So if the fabric that you are getting now, the date is 5000 meters, which you just received from the machine, if it doesn't match the previous fabric, which is shipped to the garment factories, it gets rejected and it is so much wastage sometimes like i'm not even kidding um some colors they come out so different from the original shade that it looks like a completely different how to say uh, uh color category altogether this one time we were uh, uh, like we ha- we were making brown um uh, we needed brown shade and this fabric that came out was beige in color so we and it was like 5000 meters of it and another 5000 meters was already on the run in the back so it was just like i was standing there and i so wanted to approve that shade but the designer who has designed the product herself she could not approve it she was like this is com- this is a completely different shade altogether completely different color altogether you need to reprocess it the fa- the, the, the the point is you can always reprocess the fabric it decreases the structural stability of the fabric itself. Because dyeing and all basically means you are, uh, how to say, processing the fabric again. And it uh, decreases the structural stability of the fabric and it may not pass the physical testing parameters like the strength of the yarn or the strength of the fabric or tear strength and tensile strength. It may fail those parameters. If it fails those parameters, you can't make a garment. So then it ends up getting... Uh, how to say rejected all over again so there's so many difficulties so these yeah. processes like textile fabric finishing mm-hmm. is a very uh, sensitively controlled process it needs to be very precisely controlled in nature otherwise it can lead to a lot of wastage but yeah as compared to design houses retailers waste a lot of fabrics like there have been a lot of times where I was uh, at uh, like I felt so bad because it had, I had just rejected a huge amount of fabric from the mills and and they obviously resell it to the wholesalers in the market they build that fabric somehow It just
0: like how yeah, to say and, it's of production. Like right? like like production yeah a lot of designers you know buy from these wholesalers and yeah and yeah like i think this yeah. is how the process is uh, yeah is made like when you have something in bulk like you need to discard it or like reuse it and then and then yeah i mean dyeing itself caused so many problems right that's just like phase one of producing the garment then you have the stitching bit like i remember going to these uh like uh you know the production units you have people to just do your collar people who just do your shirt uh short trims yeah. and yeah. you have different people to do different things but if one yeah, person exactly messes it up yeah it, it you really can't again like resell these clothes right and then they come to the markets as like fake that's a whole
1: that's a whole another different discussion like garment manufacturing that's a whole another like um, world to you know dive into because there's so many other things like even if you've made like a 100% of perfect fabric there's so many things that can go wrong when you're uh, manufacturing actual clothes during stitching and and then there's garment finishing also so
0: yeah that's like uh, and so many left. mistakes in a garment finishing as well I yeah. mean there's so many stages and we just talk we just see like the end result that's being you know put in the shelves and people like buying that so I mean there's so much to think about right like a lot of people yeah exactly like, some much- of
1: consumer's point of view it may be just a garment and it's just probably it's just like thousand bucks for a t-shirt but they, they don't I think obviously realize how much goes into making this one single piece of t-shirt and how many processes have to and legalities have to be followed for it to be how it is you know and um but especially like in today's world with like so many choices available it's even harder for people to how to say um think about these things because um It's obviously when it's everywhere you don't think so much about it. It's not that special, and like obviously a lot of people are not interested in getting to know about this field. Uh, Fashion is glamorous and all in nature, but like behind it, how it is, the way it is, is not how to say a very clean business. Yeah. and it's got so many processes like only right now we've just scratched we've barely scratched the surface I hardly explain like how fibers get turned into fabrics <laughs>
0: and then we, yeah we I think we covered really a lot nice. in this like one hour session maybe we yeah. can have the next one can probably talk yeah. about uh, the other processes and we yeah. can talk about like sustainable uh, fabrics or, like fabrics that can be used to produce uh, outfits that don't really like cost uh i mean they obviously yeah, cost so a much but not cost on. to
1: the environment yeah. yeah there's a lot of innovation going on they're like fa- fabrics you can make out of banana leaves and hemp and my favorite a different... is the
0: lotus silk one that i just spoke that, about that
1: was really interesting to get. no, i did not know there was something called lotus silk that existed thanks yeah. for that yeah
0: okay was should, we wrap, I'm gonna look it up. should we just wrap this up and say like
1: buzz? yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so basically like in conclusion this was like how to say a glimpse into the world of how fibers get turned into fabrics and of course how sustainable fiber sourcing can be followed and how initiatives are being taken to make sure that the fiber you're getting is from the right place and is being sourced from people who are not being f- who are not under forced labor and of course how as a consumer you can make a conscious choice to always choose the right product and make this world
0: and a little better. And I spoke about like silk, uh, various kinds of silk, cottons and other fabrics that are used to yeah. produce uh, designer outfits and I explained why they're expensive and why people should actually buy more uh, one-off pieces than buying pieces that are available to everyone.
1: Yeah, yeah. So Vishwara, thanks for this discussion. I had a good okay, time. To-